Have you had a busy week in the market? Not had time to catch up with the latest trends? Well, welcome to Cloud9Fin, our suite of podcasts where we bring you the need-to-know information on deals, documentation, ESG, and we deep dive into the themes showing up in the high-yield, leveraged loans, and restructuring spaces. We also have our US podcast, which features discussions with members of the North American Levfin market with US editor Will Cager-Smith. So be sure to check in every second Thursday for that. Today, we're taking a trip to Barcelona for the PRI in-person conference. We're going to be focusing on financial institutions' net zero strategy for this podcast, as well as the myriad ways we can advance this important goal. I spoke to representatives from Newberger Berman, Alliance Bernstein, BNP Paribas, and Circle Economy. Joining me is Sarah Peasy, the head of ESG for Europe for Newberger Berman. Thanks so much for being with me today. No problem. Nice to be here. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you about your net zero strategy. Do you have one and how do you expect to implement it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we've been uh, focusing on, on climate for a number of years now, and this isn't a new thing for us. Um, we really started our efforts back in 2019 when we first started reporting in line with TCFD. Since then, we've added lots of tools to help our portfolio managers uh, in integrating climate considerations more broadly into what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, uh, and also implemented a firm-wide uh, coal policy as, as well. Um, we then took that the one step further and became members of the Net Zero Asset Managers Alliance um, just over a year ago now. Um, and, and we reported at our targets um, only a couple of weeks ago. But that the way we focus on um, implementing the net zero commitment is to work directly with our clients. Um, so, so we're very fortunate to have clients in more of the institutional space as well as the more kind of retail intermediary channels. Um, and, and for us, it's about working with them and making sure that they are happy, they are signed up, they understand what these commitments um, in, in, in intentionally lead to. Because um, for us, it's not just about making the commitments, it's about actually taking tangible actions today to see incremental steps towards net zero. Um, and the two uh, pathways as such that, that we encourage our funds to, to go down to implement net zero commitments um, are either on a more kind of traditional carbon emission reduction uh, basis. So milestones at 2030 to have reduced carbon emissions on a carbon footprint basis um, across scope one, two and three by 50%. Um, and then we have an alternative approach, which is to um, look at uh, companies through the lens of their progress on their net zero journey. So we've actually designed a proprietary indicator internally to assess where companies are on that net zero journey. And that is guided by the IIGCC framework on net zero implementation. And by 2030, we expect 90% of companies to be committed to aligning to net zero, to be reaching that milestone. So there's two alternative approaches that we take when we're implementing it on funds. I have Erin Bigley, uh, the wonderful Chief Responsibility Officer of Alliance Bernstein with me. Thank you so much for being with us today. Pleasure to be here. Um, You just got off a panel, so we're very lucky to have you. But I have just one question for you today. What is your net zero strategy, if you have one, and how do you expect to implement it? Yes, Alliance Bernstein does have a net zero strategy. In July of this year, we announced our commitment to achieve net zero emissions, working to align our business operations and a range of our investment strategies with a one and a half degree Celsius pathway by 2050. The commitment is going to advance our longstanding effort to act and invest responsibly. We think that climate risk is an investment risk and it's essential to consider 
the material, physical transition risks and opportunities of the issuers that our firm invests in. Uh, and this ensures that our firm more accurately forecasts cash flows, valuations, and that climate risk considerations are incorporated when we optimize risk and return for our clients in our actively managed portfolio. So as part of our net zero strategy for our business operations, we'll continue our initiative to locate 85% of our employees in green buildings by 2025 and explore renewable energy options. And we've joined the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative. Um, it's an organization of over 270 signatories, managing more than 61 trillion in assets under management, committed to supporting the goal of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 or sooner. And in summary, we intend to lead with engagement, employ data-driven research and monitoring, and increase climate finance exposures. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm here with the lovely Constance Chalcha. Um, she works for BNP Paribas. So today um, we're going to talk about net zero. Could you tell me if you have a net zero strategy in place and how you expect to implement it? Yeah, sure. So, so at BNP Paribas, we were a founding member and signatory of the Glasgow Net Zero Banking Alliance in 2021. Um, to be quite honest, we will only be net zero if all our clients are net zero. So our aim is uh, first and foremost to support all our client ambitions and actions towards a net zero economy by 2050. And that is through uh, client dialogue and expert services. Uh, we're very convinced today that a large majority of our energy clients, uh, through and thanks to their technical and financial capabilities, have the necessary levers to be net zero and to accelerate their transition towards renewable energy and other transformation solutions. So in our strategic dialogue with clients, what we're doing is, is actually twofold. First is we're paying attention on how they implement their decarbonation commitments and how their trajectory are indeed in line with the EIA net zero um, scenario. Uh, particularly by 2030, because a lot of people have commitment by 2050, but I think what matters is the trajectory and whether that trajectory is credible. But what we're doing also is we're mobilizing resources to support the allocation of capital to the development of renewable energies and transformative solutions. And that's why as part of a strategic plan, 2025, we have pledged to dedicate at least 200 billion euros to supporting large corporate clients' transition towards a low-carbon economy, and that is by 2025. And we've also uh, committed to dedicate more than 350 billion euros through loans and bond issues to, uh, to cover environmental and social to topics for corporate and, and institutional clients. Uh, and, and honestly, uh, it's, an, it's a short-term commitment, but it's already in progress. When you look at this year, at the end of Q3, we were number one worldwide in green finance, so that is green bond and green loans. So it's into motion. Uh, we are extremely active. And to facilitate this dialogue, we created the Low Carbon Transition Groups, uh, which is a gathering of all our experts throughout BNP Paribas Group. And this agile organization um, is dedicated to clean energy, clean mobility, and built environment solutions. And their team is dedicated to support established corporate clients in their transition, innovative transition accelerators in their scale-up and development phase, and investors to channel their capital deployment towards low-carbon activities. 
and with me I have the lovely Sammy uh, who works at Circle Economy and focuses on the built environment. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hi Kat, uh, hi everyone, so happy to be here with you. So you focus on the built environment which you've just told me is the second most in- carbon intensive polluter in the world, is that the case? Yes, it is. Um, it's kind of actually um, under the debate, but yes, energy sector being the first polluter and the built environment, the second polluter, contributing to the most um, carbon emissions, about 40% of the total uh, carbon emission comes from the built environment sector. But that's the, that's the problem statement. We also have the solutions and we are working towards our goals and our um, solutions to how to uh, reverse um, these numbers. Yeah, tell us, what does Circle Economy do? What, what's, what's in the vision to get this down to net zero? Um, circular economy has basically three principles. The first principle being um, keeping um, um, regenerating resources, keeping materials and value of the materials um, in the loop as much as possible and regenerating uh, natural systems. So we work with these three principles as our North Star, basically, and we're trying to um, uh, work with um, in, in different sectors, in, in different sectors, but yes, as I said, my my main focus is the built environment. Yes, so yeah. Do you get to collaborate or interact with businesses very often, and how do, do your strategies impact business? Yes, so we work very, very often with the businesses. We also work, as I mentioned, with the governments and the, and the institutional um, bodies. Um, with the businesses, we work very closely in, um, first of all, we do what we call, um, we have a product which is called the scan, the circle scan. Uh, we scan the business. Uh, we identify the hotspots and the points, leverage points that we can, we, we can uh, reverse and we can work through them. Um, and we set targets and goals for achieving the circular economy based on where the business is as their current status and then help them achieve, uh, by setting the goals, we help them achieve those goals. Um, um, it could be through their business uh, model, it could be their service, their product. Um, yes, depending on the business, this is how we move and we focus on reaching their goals and we uh, monitor and we do the feedback um, analysis throughout. Amazing. Thank you so much for telling us about all the innovative and exciting things people are doing around the world to make investment more responsible. I'm here at the PRI in-person conference in Barcelona. It's been a fantastic few days so far. We've seen some really interesting panels, things like keeping 1.5 degrees alive. We saw the PRI board speak. Mark Carney's also given an address. Um, So there's a lot going on. Everyone feels very energized and excited about what they can do in ESG. I'm here with the lovely Jack David, our ESG lead. Thanks for being with us today, Jack. Thanks, Kat. Lovely to be here. So how have you been finding the conference? Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, very interesting and uh, like you said, a lot of energy in a lot of the rooms, uh, a lot of positivity, um, but of course, uh, also a lot of concern about the obvious topics uh, within ESG. Uh, the most urgent ones, are we actually going to hit 1.5? Um, it's been you know, a reminding that 1.5 isn't target, it's actually the limit, and beyond that, there'll be tipping points, so it's not really something where we're like oh maybe we'll hit 1.82 you know a lot of the discussion off the panels is is that actually you know some people think that two three is realistically inevitable 
and others are optimistic about the sort of last minute action we can take to hit 1.5 so mixed opinions all round I'd say okay so we've chosen to focus on net zero for this podcast because of what we're just speaking about now with 1.5 it's an incredibly important strategy to make sure that we keep a lid on carbon emissions and climate change Jack what are your thoughts on net zero well um, I mean I can just run through some of the things I've picked up from talks panels uh, and conversations we've had around here it's uh, on the on the face of it um, a lot of the speakers or the all the big asset managers they want to, to show that they're um, committed um, they've got a plan in place a lot of them they, they speak they speak about this plan openly they're um, generally positive although often reluctant to answer some of the harder questions um, and then when you when you have the conversations, you know more uh, not not on the panels like just around the the conference rooms, um, there, there's a little bit more concern amongst asset managers. I would say, um, I think it's one of the top concerns um, throughout uh, who I've spoken to, um, and really just worried about the uh, the intricacies of of actually how uh, how to reach net zero. There's so many moving parts. Um, and it's one thing to say to put the target in place and then it's another to, to start on your strategy and then I think as you start your strategy you start to understand how difficult it is to implement that um, so yeah I mean some of, some of the most difficult areas that, um, that, that people are talking about is scope 3 emissions the FTSE uh, FTSE World Index 60% uh, report scope 1 and 2 emissions um, but across China and Russia, it's, it's 90% don't, don't report at all. Um, and then on, on scope three, it's much, much lower than this. So uh, it's mostly, it's almost all, all estimate, estimated data on scope three. Mixed opinions on, on this, whether this is a good thing or not. Obviously, ideally not, uh, but very, very difficult to get hold of scope three emissions. So uh, there's a lot of discussion around whether we should be using, using scope three estimated emissions. There's up, there's up to 100% variance in, in, in estimations between scope three. Yeah, that's, that's obviously a, a, a huge concern and a very difficult thing to tackle um, to actually get reliable scope three data. What about different climate scenarios that people are using? I hear there's controversy there around whether they're reliable. The IPCC and IEA are the most commonly used ones, but there are some, some new ones emerging. Yeah, so, so the, these, these are perhaps more accurate. Any findings on private companies specifically? Uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's obviously a huge difference between private markets and public markets. Uh, and this is something that everyone is grappling with is uh, reliable private, private market data. There's a need to engage with the managers and companies more in private markets. Uh, the publicly listed areas obviously uh, further ahead in their measuring and reporting of data, but in the private markets, it's, it's still um, quite sparse. Uh, so I think asset managers need to, need to um, be engaging more directly with these companies um, and, of course, looking for other routes to get hold of that data. Well, I think that's the perfect time to remind our listeners that Ninefin has a fantastic ESG company database, which our team of six has been working on 
very hard. Um, but that's all we have time for this week. And if you do want to read more about Net Zero or about a myriad of other Levfin situations, head to ninefin.com slash insights where you can see some of our content in front of the paywall. Or you can drop us an email at team at ninefin.com. We're always keen to hear your suggestions for topic ideas, your comments on our discussion and your feedback on the platform. If you like this podcast, don't forget to like and share it. Tune in for the US edition next week. I'll be back the week after. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts.